0: when they come back, they, I mean, they're going to have the best stories, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. like, oh, what'd you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I did this for an entire year. That's not fun. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm hoping that, you know, the more we can get out and do things, the less of – I mean, I think in a lot of ways Zoom has been good. I mean, yeah. you can, and I think it's probably going to stay for the – but, oh, yeah. you know, there's always that weird pause – is he done talking? Is it my turn to talk?
0: You know? Yeah, um, it's much better. And then you get a better feel for what someone's saying. Like someone may say something jokingly on a Zoom call, but you don't know their personality that well. And you're thinking, wow, where'd that come from? And then once you get to know the person, oh, that was that was a joke. Oh my God, that was funny. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> As you can see, Have got- I ever done that? Have <laughs> I ever done that? No? <laughs> no, I don't think anyone has. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today, I had a great conversation with Dr. Kobe Ramsey about the process of passing scope of practice changes in Wyoming, and we also talked about the state board perspective, which I think is a little is pretty interesting and and relevant to how you design a law uh, that is going to be lasting. So. I had a lot of fun talking to Kobe. Um, He's a great guy. If you ever get a chance to sit down and, and, uh, and hang out with him, I highly encourage it. Please enjoy our conversation. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. We've been providing myopia control treatments in our practice for years. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, Cooper Vision has received FDA approval of its innovative MySight One Day contact lens. This will be the cornerstone of a comprehensive myopia management approach to be offered by Cooper Vision. This daily wear, single-use contact lens is the first and only FDA-approved product clinically proven to slow the progression of myopia when initially prescribed for children 8 to 12 years old and when compared to children in the control group wearing a single-vision one-day contact lens. Check out the show notes for all the specific prescribing details and to get more information about this lens and how you can begin to offer it in your practice. You know, what, what I wanted to think about or have you on for is to really have a couple perspectives. One, because you're, you, are, um, you have such a history in the state uh, of political involvement, but also because of the state board and how, how you anticipate the state board will make sure that the public is still protected. And so when I think about Wyoming, what's really, and I talked to Ryan Wally about this in Mississippi, but Wyoming is probably even a longer story because I, I think the first time that I met with Carrie was her first year. So that will probably, so I met with Dana Day and Carrie and Deanna Alexander was there. And I don't think, I actually don't, I think it was Catherine um, who isn't with uh, State Government Relations Committee anymore, but, uh, but I don't think Daniel was with our committee yet. And so that would have been how long ago would have would would that meeting have been if it was Dana's or Carrie's first year?
0: I'm trying to think if it's been seven, eight. I think it's been eight. It's been eight years when I think
1: you met her. It, it would not surprise me because it, it was at Queco, and um, yeah, I mean she. she I think, admittedly. I, I really apologize if she's going to be upset about this, but I think admittedly she was green. I think that's probably the words that came out of her mouth to, to me. Um, but man, you guys, have really, she, uh, you guys have really helped her grow and, and she's helped your organization grow. So can you kind of tra- trace that process? Because you were looking at being able to do a, a, a scope of practice way back seven, eight years ago, and it finally came to fruition. It's not just a short story.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'll try to keep it as brief as I can, but you probably remember Dan Lex used to be our exec and Dan was amazing. He was one of the best execs ever and just did so much for us. And unfortunately he got terminal cancer and we found out in like the winter at our winter meeting. And then he was gone by, you know, not long yeah. thereafter. Uh, and so that first Northern Rockies we had without him, Grant Jones and I were running around, you know, we didn't know what was going on and, and we had hired, um, Someone to be an exec, and it just didn't work out. She was there two years, and just a lot of bad things happened. So, uh, some people knew about Carrie, uh, asked if she would uh, apply for the job, and she did. And yeah, she was, at first, she didn't really know much about optometry, what was going on. She knew who her optometrist was, which was better than most people. She had an <laughs> optometrist. And so, um, she came along, hard worker, very smart, and she gets along well with everyone. She's got a great personality for what she does being a lobbyist and an exec and uh, very organized and so when we started talking about hey let's get this going as you know we talked to you first sgrc and then we're kind of moving along and we're trying to get all the balls in place and i think what really helped was about five years ago is when we got serious and we started okay let's put the work in let's get going and the hard part is getting the membership motivated and uh, you really only need 10 percent of your membership really active to pass a bill because you got to know the key people, right? I mean, politics isn't about knowing the lowest ranking member in a house or a Senate. It's, do you know the chairman? Do you know the speaker of the house? Is the governor on your side? You know, you get the big people on your side. It helps move things along and gets those people who are not paying attention, which most politicians, I don't know if they read all the bills, some do, but some don't. So it helps move those guys along. So, we put Dana Day uh, and Carrie. We're moving that along, and Dana's been amazing, and so is Jeremy. And uh, Jeremy's out of uh, Cheyenne, so it was good to have someone in Cheyenne. So Jeremy Nett. and those.
1: No, wait, I've met Jeremy, but um, did he go to dinner with us? Um, Yes, he did. Yeah. Why? um, Yeah, I met. He's he's kind of my age, maybe a little bit older, right?
0: Yeah, and he's tall.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a tall guy.
0: So those three really are kind of the spearhead that pushed this over the line. So we started moving along and about three and a half, four years ago, we had a bill and we thought it was a good bill. We had some leadership on our side. The speaker of the house was on our side. We had a chairman of the committee. was going to be on our side in the house. Uh, The Senate chairman likes to fiddle with stuff, but we thought well, we'll be okay there. So we have interim committees in Wyoming. So the year, the summer before our session, you go to these three different meetings and they read through the bill and they'll change it. They'll add amendments. They'll change the language. Well, it passed all three of those pretty overwhelmingly and without any changes. So we thought, well, this is pretty good. So we get to the Senate, Uh, they fiddle with it a little bit. It passes, goes to the Senate, passes the Senate. Then we go to the house committee. Well, the lady on the house committee, we had, um, a lady from my hometown who's not in my district though, who had voted yes all the way along. And when it came to the committee vote, she voted no. When we walked in, she didn't even talk to us or say hi. I told Carrie, I go, well, that's not good sign. And so they voted no, and it didn't come out of committee. And in Wyoming, no one likes to bring a vote from the floor. They want it to come through committee. So it didn't get out on the floor. So first year, we were just gutted. Couldn't believe that it happened. Come back the second year, <clears throat> the chairman in that House committee wants to pocket veto it. She doesn't even want to bring it up to a vote. And then just because of pressure, they brought it up and it failed again. So we go, okay, we got to get our ducks in a row and figure out what's going on. So we tried to target some legislators that we could move to our side. Carrie and Dana started doing a laser road show where they brought a laser to every office. I had in my office one time, we brought all the local guys in. They could see what it was. We even let them fire it just so they could see that it wasn't some scary thing. And, uh, <clears throat> Also, it helped that about four or five no votes didn't get
1: reelected hmm. and a couple of now was there was there active work on those uh, elections that were no votes, or <clears throat> yes, we tried very hard to
0: either recruit somebody or go out and support uh whoever was running against them <clears throat> and we didn't win all of them. there was three that still made it through, and that's fine. I mean that's how you know how that is with politics, right? Yep. You work hard to try to get your person in and and then so then the third year, we go through. Now, this third year, we've got the governor on our side, speaker of the House, majority leader. Um, uh, we have some good support from a few Democrats. And then in the Senate, we've got the Senate leader. And so we've got all the leadership. <clears throat> and instead of putting it in a committee where the lady pocket vetoed, because she was going to say, well, you know, I'm going to gut this bill. And no, we don't want to do that. So they put it in a different committee. Um, they put it in. Uh, uh, Crud. I don't remember the committee. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should remember it now. I That's think okay. it, uh, Corporations. It was in corporations instead of health and labor. So we're in corporations and we go to the house side and it passes with two no votes. It goes right through, goes to the house, passes, no problem. The funny thing is we get to the house and the gentleman who was sponsoring our bill, one of them wants to change the bill. And we're like, "Uh Oh, what's going on? He changes it from not only being an exclusionary bill, but to where the board determines what the scope of practice is going forward. So he just strengthened it for us. And we're like, oh, okay. So it passes, goes to the Senate side, passes the committee, passes through no...
1: Well, at that point, we all thought from a state government relations committee standpoint, we, we had a lot of conversations and we even kind of talked to Carrie and talked to, to you and Dana. Is this a poison pill? Is this something that's there to, to kill the bill? Uh, and and it, it wasn't um but it was at first you're kind of like but but what was interesting about that is he understood the flexibility of a profession in the future to not have to come back and battle again over really as we all know over turf issues that uh, that a a profession acts professionally they have ethics they have responsibilities the last thing that your state board wants to have is a bad outcome because be, and patients be harmed because a profession isn't appropriately trained. And he got that. And, uh, and I think, it, well, I'm asking you, was that work that you did? Was those, were those conversations that you had? Or he was just open enough to be able to wrap his mind around it independently within the conversations that were, were going on?
0: Yeah, I think his local optometrists, I think uh, Carrie and Dana and, you know, and and every doctor and every legislator I talked to and the doctors that I talked to when they were talking to legislators, we always talked about, you know, every time there's something new coming out and medicine is changing so rapidly, we're going to have to be back here asking you to change the scope and we're going to have this same argument. Now, one thing that was to our benefit, Chris, which is interesting is the first two times Board of Medicine was really anti- they wanted us to go back to an old Colorado bill, and they also wanted and uh, and we said the Colorado bill does less than what our bill does currently. We're not going to do that. They wanted the Colorado bill from the seventies, we're, like, we're not going there. <laughs> so, um, but they also overstepped some of the things they were talking about.
1: Well, they, they it was disinformation. It was fake news, and and they they outly, outright lied to people, which is not uncommon, but it's just shocking when it happens. It's still shocking when it happens. They got caught. That's what That was the difference.
0: And they got egg on their face. But the funniest was one lady said...
1: Can you talk about that? Because... Can you talk about that? Go go a little deeper into that because I think it's interesting. Sure. We had one lady, and this is the most
0: interesting uh, item that she brought up. If we were dilating a puncta for dilating just the puncta, you could cause a tear and you could bleed and it would rain down the throat and someone could literally drown on their own blood that was her example now come on that's ridiculous and so you know I was, I was on the board and so i probably shouldn't have commented but i just said well i've been doing this for 20 some years i've never caused anyone to bleed so i don't know how you know bad you have to be at that procedure to cause someone to bleed that profusely that they're going to drown
1: so, you have to be an ophthalmologist for that
0: yeah you have to be pretty dangerous <laughs> and then some of the uh, um examples we gave were ophthalmologists screwing up it wasn't yeah. optometrist. And so you're going, Well, that's not us. That's you guys. So you're just proving the point that it doesn't matter how well trained you are, what you know, you can still have bad things happen. And and we know that as optometrists. The difference is we really get upset if something bad happens to our patients, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We worry about it at night. So
1: Yeah. I, I think it's it's I mean, it's one, it's how we're trained because we we are trained to be conservative. Two, it's because we have ophthalmology waiting for us to make a mistake, and they'll just pounce on it and, and then talk about it in the legislator, legislature. But the other thing is that um, there's a difference between bad outcomes and bad care. And when it happens to ophthalmology, and ophthalmology in medicine's eyes, if a patient chokes on their blood because of punctal dilation, then that was just like that was just a bad outcome, right? It's just a random number that happens and really rare. And but it but it happens. But if if it's an optometrist that did it, well, then it's just because the optometrist did it, like as if same thing with medicines, right? Medicin medic, medications can have side effects, and we had not to bring Nebraska into this, but the last time we we expanded our scope of practice uh, to include just all you know oral medications, uh, their medicine was trying to make the argument that you know, in, in an optometrist's hands, a medicine w- was more dangerous. And w- there was a pharmacist on the, on the committee that was presenting. She goes, are you trying to tell me that the medication knows who prescribed it and will behave differently when it's prescribed by an optometrist than an ophthalmologist? And, and it was just, it was wonderful, right? It was, it was beautiful. Um, but, it, but it's, I think that idea between bad outcomes and bad care um, you know, you can do everything right. You can do everything right. And a patient just, they don't respond the way you want them to respond. If that, again, and so I think that's just one thing that's um, that they try to capitalize on, but they use their own examples. And then they use them as, oh, if this happened to an optometrist, clearly that, that would be because they did, they weren't trained or they weren't Attitude. And they don't know what's. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. No, no, no. You're exactly right.
0: That's the argument that they use. And one ophthalmologist even said it. He says, "We don't know what we don't know." He said he walked in one of his testimonies. He said, "I walked in, and a guy was referred for cataract surgery, and I looked at his lid, and I, from the doorway, I go, you have melanoma.' Why did the optometrist miss that?" And you're like going, "Well, again, you don't know what's said in another office, right?" I mean, I don't know how many times I've referred somebody for something and they'll go down there and they'll tell the doctor something else. That's why it's important. You always send a letter, right? This is what I'm seeing. This right. is what I'd like you to do. And even when I do that, we have a local ophthalmologist here. He won't do it. And I want him to biopsy a um, mass. Yeah, spider. I know. He, he just cut it off like three times and never biopsied it once. And you're going, okay, I, anyone yeah. could have cut that off. We need to know what it is. I'm thinking it's just a granuloma, but you know, maybe we should make sure. So yeah. we finally sent him to someone else and, and yeah, it was a granuloma, but you are just like going, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. It's, it's amazing because I, I've talked to Nate Lighthizer about this, not on the podcast, but, um, you know, when, when I was trained, uh, when you're thinking about benign or malignant lesions, um, you know, our, our training is that even, you know, I'm starting to think about a malignant, um, sebaceous cell carcinoma on one recurrent chalazion, right? But the guys that I've sent I send this stuff to, they're not thinking about it until they've cut it off three or four times. You know, it's like so so that that just that just goes to our our conservative, right? Our conservative training, right? We're gonna err on the side of caution uh, because of all the other reasons that we had talked about.
0: Yeah. And you know, back to our bill when it comes to our education, they made a big deal that most of the kids aren't being trained on this. We said, Well, they're being trained on it. It's just Uh, there's only two schools where they're able to actually do it on patients, Oklahoma and Kentucky. And they brought that up that, well, you're not even being, you're not even doing it on patients. So yeah, they are. And and luckily we have three kids from Wyoming going to UPIKE. Well, Kentucky, it's not UPIKE anymore. Um, They, uh, they zoomed in and testified, no, we had a girl last year. She did these procedures all through her last year rotation. And we're going to be doing all these procedures through our rotation. And I want to come back to Wyoming and do these procedures. So that really was kind of a game changer for people who were kind of on the fence going, well, they're not really trained. They're not doing it on patients. They're doing it on, you know, mannequin eyes. So that helped. And then the other thing is, you know, we talked about how what our education is like and, and what our CE is going forward. And, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm on Arbo. So I'm going to give Arbo a little plug here. You know, they, years ago, AOA and Arbo wanted to do this education. So they did the cope and the OE tracker and all that garbage. And, and then cope,
1: Wait, wait, you're on, Ar- you're on Arvo and you admit that it's garbage? No, it's all that garbage that we're fighting about. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a, you
0: know how optometry is? We have all these small professions and then we just constantly fight. I don't know why we're yeah. fighting. It's yeah. just dumb. Uh, so the fact that we we're ACCME equivalent, you know, that was a big deal to one of the physicians and to a PA. And so, you know, things that we have done in the past that maybe as optometrists we kind of gloss over and we don't take a second and think about, well, why did we do that so many years ago? And what is, and is that even important now? And, you know, if it turned one or two votes for us, well, that makes a difference, you know, and they wanted to know going forward, what our education would be like. And we talked to them about how, you know, we have to now add opioid training in, and that was a mandate by the state. Although funny story, when they passed the bill, Chris, they actually struck that paragraph out. Yeah. So, and so now, so now we're going to go back and put it back in rules and regs because we don't want them going in and messing with our bill, but you know, they actually took it out. And I don't know how they missed that, but they did. And, uh, you know, and then they wanted us to make sure that uh, people, when they were doing the procedures, were being proctored. And we said, great. You know, and as we talked to people like David Cockrell and I even talked to Chris Roten about what they did in their states. And basically, you know, uh, we're going to set it up to where the doctor who is proctoring will determine when you're ready. Because, you know, it may take you may be able to get it in one time. And I'm because right. I'm the way I am, it's gonna take me three times, right? <laughs> and so, if that's the case, then that's fine. But you do it until you're proficient. And so, we're gonna let the proctoring doctor decide that.
1: Um, Which is what it should be, right? That, that's the way it should work.
0: Yeah. Once you show competence, you need to keep showing that and keep showing it. That's ridiculous. So, once yeah. you're competent, then we're gonna let you move on. And, uh, you know, the, the big thing for us now on the state board is making sure they missed a lot of stuff in the law that they told us they wanted us to make sure happened. So now we have to make sure we can do it in rules and regs without having a way for someone to come back and say, well, that's not in the law. You can't do that. Like we Mm -hmm. can't make someone get a second different license in order to do these procedures, but we're going to have to say, Hey, this is standard of care. And in the standard of care, you're going to have to pass these milestones, graduate from an accredited college, pass Mm -hmm. your boards, pass the modules on the advanced procedures, uh, you know, and have been proctored. And so and then we have to figure out, OK, if someone comes from Louisiana to our state, do we just automatically say, oh, yeah, you're good. Um, so we're right in the middle of doing that right now. And one thing that's interesting, Chris, is, you know, you talk to the lawyers who write the law and the lawyers who write the bill for the lawyers who are passing the bill in your legislature. Then the <laughs> lawyer who's over your board has a completely different opinion of it. And then he says, well, it depends on what a lawyer can prove in court. And you're going, wow. Wow. The law really isn't that solid. Sometimes it's it's yeah. kind of a moving target. It's the
1: it's the balance between a exclusive, you know, an inclusive law versus an exclusive law, right? Like like if your law is too inclusive, then you're pigeonholed, you know, and that's what we see right now in problems across the country, uh, where you can't do things because your law basically says you can't do anything unless we say you can do it, right, within the law. And and a law like yours is is exclusive, meaning you can do anything as long as it's not excluded specifically in this law. But then then you bring in the the element that you described as a, a board determining, which is more similar to Alaska, and that then can can mean that if you get a rogue attorney general or somebody else that wants an opinion on, well, you guys have just overstepped your boundaries, then um, then that could make a, a, a law that's seemingly really good uh, potentially fraught with, with challenges. So there's that kind of balance between the two. Do you guys have the best law in the country right now?
0: Um, you know, I would say we. I think we're pretty close. I might put Oklahoma a little bit ahead of us just because of some of the other procedures that they can do. But I think I think we're really close, and I think. I mean, I would say. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and the thing that's interesting, you know, your comment about that's one thing we're cognizant of as the board, right? And is that okay? We need to protect the public. I don't want optometrists just, you know, going in there and harming patients, and that's that's the number one thing we want to make sure that whatever we set up it's to make sure that the optometrists are doing a good job and and are trained properly. No one wants them to do stuff they can't do. But by the same token, we don't want it to be so convoluted that it's nigh impossible. You and I both know that our brain is the same size as any ophthalmologist. And our skill set is just as good. And the only reason we're really good at this instead of plumbing is because I spent all this time doing this. If I spent as much time doing plumbing, I'd probably be a pretty good plumber. You yeah. know, No one's that much smarter than yeah. someone else, yeah. even if they try to testify to that. And so... Now it's just a matter of what are the steps to make sure we can get this so that, it, so that it's easy enough for an optometrist to show efficiency and, and proficiency and still protect the public. And like you said, you're going to have to be able to withstand these attacks coming from outside of optometry. And they're going to come. I mean, that's just part of the gig.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I um – yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting balance that I think most people don't don't even consider. You know, the the balance of of what we've just talked about. And um and when I think about, you know, laws in the country, I would say, yeah, certainly, um, it's the idea of you have the flexibility that they have in um in Alaska with more of the concrete um exclusionary language like they have in Oklahoma, which is uh which is pretty cool. Um No, it's okay. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I've got one right here if you can see the if you can see the hat. <laughs> so I, I think um I any any other parting thoughts on if you were gonna encourage states uh on kind of attacking this type of scope of practice um from a state government relations committee standpoint and then also with your with your uh, background, what, what would be the encouragement?
0: So the first the thing is, you want to make sure you have leadership, right? We talked about that. You, you have to have the chairman. You have to have the leaders of whichever party's in control. And it helps to have the leadership of the party that's not in control. The other thing is, you want to make sure you, your membership is at least mostly on board. You'll always probably have a few that are not that gung-ho about it. And then, you know, some are saying, well, I'm never going to do this. Well, that doesn't mean we don't change the law. That, you know, we got to look towards the future what optometry can provide the patients. The other thing is realize it's going to take a while. You're not going to be able to just do it the first year out the shoe. Maybe you are if you're a state that you're always really involved. But if your state hasn't been really involved, you're going to have to plan on the long haul and, and put away some money, make sure you get good lobbyists. The other thing is never lie never lie. I mean, that just always will bite you. And then the other thing I would say is make sure if you can to try to do uh, exclusionary law. I mean, just that gives you so much more flexibility and freedom going forward. And it cuts down on the number of times you need to be going back because every time you have to go back and you open up that law, that gives it a chance to get changed, tweak, and maybe something that was in there to come out. I mean, they were going to talk about taking some stuff out of ours the first year, and you know you got to be prepared for that. Um, and the other thing is you've got to have some flexibility in there. I mean, maybe put something in there that there's no way it's going to pass, but you go ahead and you say, oh yeah, let's put that in there. And then if they want us to take something out, you can say, okay, we compromise, and we took out brain surgery. Yeah, that would be something I would recommend too. So uh, yeah, those are those are the things that we probably learned.